and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, the president of Yankee Institute, and today we're joined by Chris Herb, and Chris is the president of the Connecticut Energy Marketers Association. Chris, we're glad to have you with us today because I think we need to spread the word about what could, without undue drama, be described as a clear and present danger to the people of Connecticut's pocketbooks with Senate Bill 1145. And um, you're just the guy to sort of help us understand exactly what is going on with this and what it means for everybody in Connecticut. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, I couldn't agree with your assessment uh, anymore. Uh, you know, Senate Bill 1145 is a is a threat to everyone uh, who uses fuel, and that is everyone. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. If this bill passes, uh, people are going to feel it considerably in their their pocketbook. And you know, it's uh, it's awful because. Connecticut is already one of the most expensive places to live in the whole country. And if this bill goes through, it's just going to end up uh, sort of making it even more expensive because this thing just loads on additional taxes and fees uh, without any thought of what it means uh, in terms of the impact on people, especially people who are already struggling just to pay the bills just to keep the lights on, just to keep the heat going, just to pay the groceries. You know, I find it incredibly ironic how legislators were rising up in righteous indignation about uh, inflation and and gasoline prices and natural gas, electricity, heating oil prices, uh, not that too, not very long ago. And now they're actually considering a proposal that actually would push prices up even further than the damage that's been done to the economy with the market conditions we've been dealing with, which is just, it's ironic that that you can be in one place a few months ago uh, going into an election and now uh, be in a very different place and in, in, in when they have control over whether these, these cost consequences will be applied to fuel. Well, that's the thing. And so let's run through some of the provisions um, of this bill, because this thing is really, really poisonous. Um, first of all, it would allow the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, DEEP, to join in programs that place new taxes on gas and other fuels. And, you know, this is one of my pet peeves just in general, that, you know, the legislature passed is a law that basically outsources responsibility for all these price increases to unelected bureaucrats. And if they want to raise prices and make it more difficult to live here, they should be brave enough to just do it themselves. And instead, there's nothing they love better than just outsourcing the blame for it. Uh, they just pass a law and then wash their hands of the dumpster fire that it creates, especially for low-income people, which is cowardly and outrageous. You know, I would add to that, that regardless of where you land politically on the spectrum, you should have a concern about the le legislative branch abdicating its responsibility to decide whether or not new taxes should be applied to voters, right? Just from a good government perspective, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or progressive or a conservative, you want the people that you elect to be to be held accountable for their actions and to abdicate that responsibility to an appointed bureaucrat. I mean, this isn't even like they're shifting it to the governor. They're shifting it to somebody who will never 
have to interface with taxpayers or with voters about the decisions that they make as painful as they can be. So I, I think that if we start there, that you know, maybe the reasonable person in Connecticut who wants the best for their family could just start as the legislature needs to make taxing decisions, not bureaucrats. Precisely. And of course, uh, the people who want to raise taxes all the time are all too happy to outsource the responsibility for that. Now, the second poisonous thing Senate Bill 1145 does is it allows deep to enter TCI, the TCI gas tax. Remember the Transportation Climate Initiative. And uh, back when we were talking about the Transportation Climate Initiative, there were estimates that TCI was going to add 18 cents per gallon to everybody's gas. And so this allows Deep to enter TCI to essentially raise the TCI gas tax and other fuel tax programs without the legislature's approval. Carol, it's interesting. This bill, unlike the bill we saw two years ago, that was a very transparent uh, legislation that, that spelled out exactly how TCI would work. This one uses really the code words like market-based compliance mechanisms. Well, you do a quick Google and it becomes <laughs> really obvious that market-based compliance mechanisms are TCI or cap and trade programs. We were limited two years ago to just a TCI proposal. The legislature did the right thing and they walked away from that bill. Now, because they felt because they felt the public pressure. People didn't want it. And easy now, to they don't want to be responsible. The legislature doesn't want to take the heat for it. So they'll just pass a law that lets deep take the heat for it because deep never has to stand for election. And then no one nobody has to say we didn't vote for TCI. We just voted to let deep decide whether to enter TCI. Sure. And, and it and it could be worse than that. So uh, you know these market-based compliant mechanisms are not just TCI. They are cap and trade programs. Mm -hmm. The legislation specifically spells out that the deep commissioner could enter into one of these tax agreements with the Canadian provinces or California. And just to give you a little bit of an idea of what the California cap and trade program looks like from a cost perspective, this year they've capped it at $81.50 per metric ton of carbon dioxide. And what does that mean at the pump? That means maximum of 72 cents per gallon. What does that mean for heating oil? Maximum 83 cents per gallon. Propane and natural gas, 47 or 48 cents per gallon. So we're talking about significant numbers that go way beyond the damage that TCI would have done. So if we trust that the deep commissioner can pick and choose whatever uh, cap and trade program they want, we may be doing business with Quebec or California or the state of Washington. That's what I'm concerned about. And, you know, it's an it's an outrage that they're hiding behind this kind of legislative obfuscation. That was the next thing. It allows deep to implement cap and trade carbon taxes without legislative approval. They're cowards. They want it, but they won't vote for it. If you want a policy badly enough, if you think it's really right, then be upstanding. Come out, explain it, defend it and if your policies aren't popular, if your voters don't want them and you can't defend them, maybe that's a sign you shouldn't be passing them. And instead, you have this kind of weasel legislation where they're, they can't defend it. They can't defend it. And yet they want to do it to the people they supposedly care about and represent. 
They seem to understand at election time that suspending the, the Connecticut gasoline excise tax was in the best interest of their constituents because it was hurting them in a, in a time that uh, that fuel prices were on the rise. But in the same, you know, just a little bit later, a little bit after the, the last election, we find ourselves in a position where they're about to raise prices on energy that they were so concerned about during election. And, and, and I, I know that that probably doesn't surprise anybody, but I think that if we inform the public properly about what this does and how they do it, that legislators will go back, reconsider this bill, this language, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll have the same end result as we did with TCI where they walked away from it at the end of the day because seniors on fixed incomes, low middle income families, the regressive nature of this is, uh, is something that is unaffordable and will continue to put Connecticut into a tailspin. Well, that's the thing. And I think that's the thing we all ought to understand is that anyone who votes for this sort of thing, don't bother to talk to us about how much you care about the poor and the low income and the disadvantaged. Because what you are doing by passing nonsense like this is guaranteeing you are going to make their lives much, much more difficult. What you are doing is you are locking our, our, our people who are struggling the most into an, a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. And, you know, the fact is you're not doing a darn thing overall to change the environmental status of the United States. This is posturing. And um, and that's what's so infuriating is you are inflicting suffering on people who can least afford it to achieve nothing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the, the end result of any environmental emissions reduction program if you take Connecticut and our contributions to 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 emissions overall, even you know the United Nations and uh, their governmental panel on climate change said that if the entire country, the the United States in total, stopped emitting today, it wouldn't change the temperature of the Earth, you know, in any measurable amount. So, what are we trying to accomplish? Virtue signaling, you know, there's a lot of environmental justice conversations that are out there. Well, the truth is, is that if I'm a single mom in Bridgeport who works in Trumbull, um, you know, and I got to bring my kids to school in the morning and then drive, you know, drive up the highway to to go to work. All I'm going to do is pay more for that. My paycheck to paycheck lifestyle now puts me underwater. And that's what this bill does. This is going after the same um, the same constituencies that it's proposed to help is the ones that will be worst affected in the worst way. Precisely. And, you know, the thing that is uh, remarkably galling is the fact that China is the world, the biggest annual climate polluter. Our country is doing nothing to hold them to account to ensure that they meet actual emission standards and instead is you know wreaking havoc victimizing our 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 struggling people instead in meaningless virtue signaling like this and um and you know there's if it would achieve something there would be a purpose to it it achieves nothing except to hurt the people who can least afford to be hurt to no apparent purpose. Well, isn't it ironic that China continues to build 
coal-fired electric generation plants every day. As we speak right now, there are dozens and dozens of coal-fired electric plants being built in China. And they're also building expensive government-subsidized solar panels being shipped to the United States on six oil barges that are spewing spewing uh, pollution. It To me, it makes no sense. This is what I think our country and bills like this are doing is that they're saying we would prefer for ch children in India and China to live better lives than children in America because we're taking away our future with these types of, of, of proposals. And, and there's no other way to look at it. It is it, You can't defend allowing that type of behavior in those countries um, and it's at the expense of our children living a better life. And that is a sad American ethic that seems to be going away. Well, the thing that's puzzling, it, it likewise, you know, when um, when people are forbidden to drill for oil here in the United States, and yet uh, instead we're allowing people, for example, in South America to drill for oil in ways that are less environmentally friendly. And yeah. and, you know, if if the goal is actually environmental protection, why is that being allowed to happen? And so, you know, again. Uh, there is nothing wrong with asking these questions, and we are entitled to answers before we we go ahead and sacrifice the well-being of people, especially people who are already struggling. We have a, a responsibility to care about single moms in Bridgeport. We have a duty to be concerned about the well-being of people in Hartford who are already struggling to put food on the table. And, you know, mindlessly signing on to legislation like this that makes gasoline more expensive here, even as no one does anything to stop uh, the the worst kind of pollution, you know, and all the coal plants from being built around the world, to me, is a complete abdication of our responsibility to do what is right, not only for Americans, but also for the planet. Yeah, Carol, you're, you're spot on with that. I will add that Connecticut already does participate in a cap and trade program. And the one that we participate in is the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. That is applied to the electric sector. So does it surprise you that the cap and trade program that we are currently participating in has resulted in Connecticut having the highest electric rates in the country? I'm sure it doesn't. So so if they thought that if they think that that's a successful program, then how is this one going to result? Will this also result in the highest gasoline prices in the country, the highest natural gas prices in the country, the highest heating oil prices in the country? I bet based on our history it will. And well, yes, because we're already struggling with them. And, you know, anyone who claims to care about people in this state and to want them to stay here and build lives and, you know, not leave for South Carolina or Texas or Florida has a responsibility to think about the impact of this and to weigh the harm it will cause against, you know, the, the supposed good it will do. Will it actually achieve anything? And, you know, it's very hard to claim that it will. And, you know, people are not just pawns to, to sort of be thrown carelessly aside so that legislators can feel good about themselves in some abstract way. It's wrong. And it's it's really an abrogation of their duty to care about the actual people they're representing. I, I, I would agree with that. And I'll also add that this is not the first time 
that the state of Connecticut has dabbled in in trying to pick winners and losers in the energy space in the name of a uh, cleaner environment. Uh, a decade ago, DEEP led the charge for people to convert to natural gas. And now they're saying that natural gas is no longer good. So we have to have these cap and tax policies to, to make the fuel so expensive that people are forced to, to renewables like like solar uh, and and we, we you know not to retread this but you know the solar industry is being provided with panels from China and so we kind of had this this merry-go-round of of deep telling the legislature and telling the citizens of Connecticut what is in their best interest only to be wrong and to change direction and and who always pays for it the taxpayer who always pays for it, the person least able to uh, afford it. There, I am sure there are plenty of people in in wealthy communities who will be able to to be able to talk about all the the good that they're doing for the world by by slapping a solar panel on their roof. But in the end, it's only the people in the poor city next to them that subsidized it, and no one won in the end. And you know. Um, it seems to me that all the people who are the most urgent about all of this, they need to lead the ex- they, they need to lead the way. I expect to see private jets banned before the poorest among us are told that they can't drive their children to school or they have to give up their cars or their air conditioning because, um, you know, it's wrong uh, for for some to fly in private jets while telling others they need to swelter in the summer heat or continue to pay, you know, rates for gas or heat that make it impossible for them to put food on the table. So in Senate Bill 1145, there's additional language that does allow deep, which which they don't really have this power today, is to go after what they call sector-specific sub-targets. And you kind of mentioned one is, you know, private jets. I bet you if they get the power to go after these sector-specific sub, uh, sub-targets, it's going to be someone's a gasoline powered car to try to force a transition to EVs. It's not going to be that private jet. It's going to be uh, the gas stoves that they try, they've been trying to ban or the gas fireplaces that they're trying to ban. Those will be those uh, sector specific sub targets. And those are going to hurt your neighbors, the common people that we, that live and work every day in Connecticut, not the ones that, you know, spend, you know, six months in Florida and six months in Connecticut and work for a hedge fund. And, you know, uh, just as a general matter, Chris, uh, all of this is, you know, as we talk about the details of this, just on a broader principled way, you know, we are straying farther and farther from the way that free people are supposed to be able to live. Um, I don't remember any of us signing up for a government that could tell us what kind of stoves we get to have, what kind of vehicles we get to drive, how far we get to drive in them, uh, how big they can be. And, you know, all this micromanagement of our lives. I, this is not this is not supposed to be just on a macro level, the government's job. And it is getting tiresome especially when we never have, it seems we never have anything to show for it. Do we ever hear that as a result of any of these measures, the air is cleaner or we have reached any of the environmental targets that we are told, you know, they are, they are doing this in the name of, of course not. We are told only that things are getting worse and more restrictive measures are necessary. And I say enough. You know, if if this is such an existential threat, then rather than uh, taking away 
anyone's gas stove or anyone's air conditioning, and they're coming for those next. Uh, We need to be telling China, you stop using coal burning plants. And that's what's going to turn the tide. It isn't taking away some little old lady's, um, you know, gas stove or some, you know, single mom's air conditioning in the summer. And uh, all of this is nonsense. It's nanny state government at its worst. And it is the stigmata of legislators who are too afraid to do their own dirty work. And so they hand it over to unelected bureaucrats. And and so that language, uh, the language of shifting power to to these appointed bureaucrats remains in the bill. And interestingly enough, based on some things you just said, is that the language that actually did come out of the bill was a ban on leaf blowers, snow blowers, and lawnmowers. Um, they were going to prohibit the use of, of gasoline-powered and diesel-powered uh, outdoor equipment. That came out. They were at least savvy enough to know that, you know what, that's easy for the public to understand. You know, this opaque language that they have in here right now is difficult to understand. So they were smart enough and politically savvy enough to, to take out uh, what, you know. But as I understand it, Chris, uh, the power that has been uh, abdicated and handed over to Deep would allow Deep to ban these things in the future. Under that sec- sector-specific subtargets, that is correct. There, there would be a pathway to adopt a program uh, to be able to ultimately do that. So that you're right. It's, but that's why I'm saying is, is that this is a political savvy move to try to get the public to become disinterested in what appears to be harmless legislation. And that's why I applaud you and and Yankee Institute for having this conversation. So, Chris, what can people do if they are, see this bill as the alarming piece of garbage that it is? Well, uh, you know, this is the uh, this is one of the problems that we have is is that, you know, voter apathy is uh, at an all time high. I understand why that that's that, that that we are in that place. But this is a time to take action. You know, you need to talk to your state representative. You need to talk to your state senator. You need to make sure that they understand that Senate Bill 1145 is not in their best interest. It's not in the best interest of the environment. And it's not in the best interest of Connecticut's uh, economy in the future. So that is always the call to action is talk to your elected officials. And, you know, it's amazing how much difference even a single person can make. Uh, I'm always surprised because, you know, so much of our news that we watch focuses on the federal government and those districts are much, much bigger. But here in the state, you know, six people can make a huge difference to a state rep, a state senator. And so you and a few friends can really play a big part in turning the tide. So we encourage you. Look to who your state senators, your state rep, uh, your state senator, your state rep, talk to him or her. And this thing is a Trojan horse. It's bad news. And it is uh, it is bad for your pocketbook. It is even worse for your freedom. And um, and we're Americans. We did not sign up for a government that micromanages us, bosses us around, and picks our pocket while they do it. Amen. Come to yankeeinstitute.org if you need more information. And and Chris, where can they uh, find out more from you? 
Uh, CTEMA.com uh, is packed with information about this bill and, and other threats to your your life and liberty. <laughs> and uh, and just remember, everybody, you, you, this is why we stand up. We stop TCI. We can stop this. As Ronald Reagan famously said, I do not believe in a fate that falls on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that falls on us if we do nothing. So, you know, um, the, the bill is SB1145. Look into it. Reach out to Chris, Chris Herb, H-E-R-B. Uh, reach out to us at Yankee Institute and uh, and take action because uh, we can stop this. And, uh, and there is no reason for Connecticut and the people who can least afford it to uh, end up uh, having this the, the hobnailed boot of this bill on their throats. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And we thank all of you for being with us for this edition of YCT Matters. And we hope you will join us again. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute. We will talk with you again on another edition of YCT Matters. I'll show-